This podcast is a ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. And now, the message. Well, good morning, Crossroads. How are you all? You look good. Um, I need friends. Anybody here that can be my friend? I, I need friends. Do you all need friends? In fact, that's one of the reasons I come here, because so many of you have uh, become friends. It's been one of the neat things about being part of this uh, startup of uh, Crossroads at Montgomery is meeting new people, making new friends. And in fact, I see some people here today that I don't know or haven't met yet. Um, and one of the things that kind of goes around in my mind, because Pastor Mike was talking about us extending ourselves to you and saying, how can we bless you? What can we bring into your life as you become part of us? But one of the things I wonder when I see new people is, hmm, I wonder why the Lord has brought them here. What is it that God means to do in me through the new people that he brings in? So I'm excited and look forward to getting to meet some of you and, and continuing the friendships with the uh, friends I have. So I want to talk a little bit about friendship, friends and friendship this morning with you. And it never occurred to me. This is embarrassing because not only do I read the bulletin, uh, but for the last three weeks, I have been editing and printing the bulletin. So there's no excuse for me to not realize that the women were going to study Colossians next week. And it just didn't occur to me that when I picked Colossians 4 that I'd be getting in the way of that. But my experience is that men and women often um, approach a passage differently and the Lord gives different insights. So maybe I won't step on Ashley McNary and the things that I want to say today. But I want to talk a little bit about friendships. Okay, this is cool. It's working. Outstanding. I want to talk about friendships, and um, it, it's, a, it's something we all need. Some of us are better at it than others. I just love people. I love to meet new people. Yesterday, we were at a, a wedding, and uh, I don't know if you know the, the Lipsies. Their uh, son, Nate, got married yesterday. And we had a good time there, and meet, I was meeting tons of new people, and I just love to meet new people and get to know them and find out about them. So uh, I've been thinking a lot about what makes a friend and what makes a friendship. And these are just some things I jotted down. It seems to me that friendships are built on certain qualities that bring us together, that draw us together. Things like mutual respect, fun. We have fun with our friends. There's a certain loyalty. Often it's common interests. Um, sometimes it gets to this level of deep sharing, and that's kind of exciting. Uh, we stimulate one another and, and interest each other, and there's also usually a, a, an element of encouragement that goes along with being a friend. And sometimes we even think in friendship in terms of different levels of friendship. So you have a lot of people that are just your acquaintances. If I told you, do you know this person? You would say, well, I know who he is. I know who she is. I know her by sight. That doesn't mean they're a deep friend, but they're a friend in that you know them. And then we have casual friends, and then sometimes it gets a little bit more interesting. We have uh, associate friendships. These are friendships that come out of something that we have in common or that we do together. It may be your friends at work, for example. You have this little group of friends at work, and you interact with them. They're your friends on a Monday through Friday basis. You spend time with them. You may even uh, go out and, and uh, just spend a little bit of time after work on your way home with them. So these are kind of your associate friends. Some of these come in other terms like uh, uh, the guys that you know 
uh, or the soccer team. They're the other soccer dads or the other soccer moms. And you see them, you spend time with them. But then things develop and, and you have mentor friendships and personal friends, people that you've known for your whole life. Uh, yesterday, it was interesting uh, to meet some of Nate Lipsy's friends because he's, he's a likable guy and he's accumulated friends from all different aspects of his life. Uh, his, uh, his best men, he had two best men. He couldn't decide between them, so they both stood up for him. And he's known them since he was like five years old. And they've been in contact and they've been good friends their whole lives. Uh, another friend he met at college when he was uh, on the track and field team at Lock Haven. And, and that friend was there. Other friends were friends that he's met through his now wife, part of her family or one of her friends he's gotten friendly with. So we accumulate these personal friendships in all different categories, and they become good friends to us. And among those, there's a group that emerges that we call our intimate or our best friends. And these are the people we really share with. These are the people we count on. These are the people that we want to get to know better and that we really feel we want to invest in their lives, and we understand that they're investing in ours too. When it comes to our church friends, we almost give them a special separate category, and, and we think of them often as family. Pastor Mike has often mentioned that, that, that we think of ourselves as family. Really more than, we're more than a club. Um, we're more than just a, a community group. We're a family because we have certain things in common. In fact, the Bible will often refer to uh, those kind of friends, church friends, as brothers and sisters because there's that strong emphasis on family. In fact, in Colossians 4 that we're going to be looking at, that certainly is the case. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to introduce you to some uh, friends of mine. I met some new friends a number of years ago, and they have really changed my understanding of what friends do together and how they work together. So I want to introduce them to you. They are found in Colossians chapter 4, beginning around verse 7, where Paul, who's writing this letter, is introducing to me and to anybody who's reading the letter his friends. The first guy he mentions is Tychicus. He says, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. There's this fellow, Tychicus. Now, all these guys have pretty unusual names, so you're going to have to get over that for just a minute. I really think these are people just like me and you. In fact, I want to, that's part of the point of why I want to introduce them to you. There's one guy there named uh, Mark that we'll meet. And he's about the only ordinary name that we would have. All these, But back then, they would think our names were unusual. Uh, but here's this guy, Tychicus. What's special about him is he's a real close associate of Paul. He has uh, worked with him. He's the one who delivered this letter to the Colossian church. He also delivered another letter to the church at Ephesus. We know You know that if you read Ephesus, Ephesians. So he has an important responsibility of being with Paul in Rome, where Paul is in prison, and taking these two letters that he's written to these two important churches many miles away. That alone is a kind of a dangerous journey just to get from Rome to these places in Asia Minor where these letters go. He has also served with Paul many times. 
Uh, he probably served with Paul the whole time he was in Ephesus. And that was about three years that he was there. And as you look at the book of Acts, it looks like he was there for most of that time. He later was one of the guys who traveled with Paul from um, Greece back to Jerusalem. A very difficult journey. So Tychicus has been around. He and Paul have been together and been pretty close for a lot of years. And now Paul trusts him with the responsibility of sharing with his friends in Colossae what's going on in his life. There's really only a few people out there in your life that you would entrust with explaining what was going on in your life. Because, you know, sometimes stories get so confused when somebody tries to pass on somebody else's information. That happens sometimes with prayer requests. And because this person hears about it and shares it with another person who then comes and shares it with me. And before you know it, it's really changed a little bit. It's really hard to find somebody who you believe will accurately and carefully explain your situation to somebody else. And yet he entrusts that to Tishigus. There's another guy he's coming along with, oh, a fellow named Onesimus. Some of you know a little bit about Onesimus. But Paul says he's a faithful and dear brother. There's that brother term again. He's like one of you. And they will tell you everything that is happening here. Let me tell you a little bit about Onesimus because it's really not mentioned in here, but we know about him through a couple of other mentions in Scripture. Onesimus was part of the household of a fellow named Philemon. Philemon was evidently an important person in the church at Colossae. Maybe he was an elder or something like that. He was a leader in the church. And he had a servant named Onesimus. And at some point in time, Onesimus, who was evidently not a believer, ran away with some money or, or, or uh, got some advantage over Philemon in some way so that he uh, took money from him, and he ran away. And he ended up meeting Paul in Rome. And Paul led Onesimus to faith in Christ, figured out the whole relationship between him and Philemon, his old boss back in Colossae. And now he says, Onesimus, it'd be great if you could stay here with me because you're a big help to me now that you're a Christian. But you know what's right. You really need to go back to Colossae, your home. You need to face Philemon, your old boss, face to face, and you need to make things right. And much to Onesimus' credit, he did that. And when he comes back with Tychicus, he has another letter. Tychicus has got the Ephesian letter and the Colossian letter. Onesimus has the letter Philemon. It's a really small little book in the New Testament. Some of you know about it. But that's where Paul pleads with Philemon, please take Onesimus back. He's more than your servant. He's your brother in Christ now. So here's a guy who kind of had a shady past. Before he was a believer, he had some, did some wild things and some dishonest things. But now he's a Christian, and the question is, can we get by his past and deal with him as a brother in the present? So that's what Paul wants them to talk about. Another fellow, Aristarchus, he sends his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instruction about him. If he comes to you, please welcome him. Let me talk about both these guys. Aristarchus is a really cool guy. He is a traveling companion of Paul's on many occasions. He also was with Paul when he, Paul was at Ephesus doing his ministry there. In Ephesus, they, they were really serious about the goddess Diana. Actually, the Romans called, called this goddess Diana. The Greeks called her 
Artemis. And they were really serious about worshiping her big temple in Ephesus uh, to, the, uh, to the goddess Diana or Artemis. And when Paul started preaching the gospel, people started coming to faith, and, and there was a decline in interest of the uh, goddess Diana. And there was a group of guys who made souvenirs to give out to people who visited uh, for Ephesus to visit the temple. And, and their sales went down as people started becoming followers of Christ and not Diana. And they got upset, and they actually started a riot in the city. I say that to say that Aristarchus was arrested because he was part of Paul's group. And he was one of the ones who was sharing his faith. And they arrested Aristarchus because of this riotous situation. So he actually went to jail for the cause of Christ when all these sellers of Diana souvenirs uh, had a problem with him. He later goes with Paul on another journey that Paul makes back um, towards Rome. It's told at the very end of Acts, and he is faithfully traveling with Paul, and there's a great storm and a shipwreck. He almost loses his life along with everybody else on the ship, but God spares him. Aristarchus is one of those guys you can count on to be there and go through the hard times, the really difficult times, the dark times in your life. He wouldn't leave. He wouldn't go away. Now, Mark was a little bit different. Um, Mark had been with Paul early on in his ministry. And evidently was a younger guy. And while they were out on one of their missionary journeys, Paul and Barnabas and Mark and others, Mark, maybe because he just wasn't experienced enough, um, didn't have enough ministry experience, kind of got too much for him. And he gave up following Paul and left him. It was kind of a critical time in their missionary journey, and Mark bailed out. Probably just immature, but he bails out, and Paul has a problem with that. Later on, in fact, when they're going to go out on another journey, another ministry trip, uh, Barnabas says, can we take Mark again? And Paul says, no, no, no. This guy let us down once. I'm not going to let it happen again. We're going to take another fellow named Silas. And Barnabas says, look, if it's all the same to you, Paul, you go with Silas. I still want to work with Mark. He's a family member, and I think we can reclaim him. So let me go with Mark. You go with Silas. And Mark is once again a trusted co-worker. In fact, toward the end of his life, when Paul was in prison again, he's looking for people to come to him and help him in a situation. He says, please send Mark. He'll be most helpful to me. So somewhere along the line, they reconcile. There is a place for even guys and ladies who uh, give up and kind of experience failure in their ministry life to be recovered and reclaimed and to come back. And that's the story of Mark. There's this fellow named uh, Jesus Justice. Uh, he's not, it's the same name as our Lord, but it's just his first name. It was a common name, actually. And Jesus Justice was his nickname. And uh, he's also another fellow. Not much is said about him, so I don't have a lot to add because this is the only place we read about him. All we know was he was a Jew. Mark, Jesus Justice, and Aristarchus were the three Jews among these people that Paul is talking about. So people from different backgrounds, he's one of them. Epiphras. 
He's one of these guys that Paul talks about. Another crazy name. I've never met an Epiphras in my life other than this guy. But he was probably the founding pastor of the church at Colossae and a trusted co-worker uh, with Paul. In fact, he says, he is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he works hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Heropolis. Don't get caught up in those. Laodicea and Heropolis are two other cities that are nearby to Colossae. So apparently people from these three cities had a lot of contact in merchants, uh, merchants and other things and, and travel back and forth. So uh, there was a community of believers that spilled out into these cities. And Epiphras, in addition to being the founder of their church, also was instrumental in these other churches and helping with them. So here's a guy, here's a hard worker. He works hard. He prays hard. He's a good fellow. I want to know somebody like him. And then there's our dear friend Luke, another nice name. It's a good name. Good stuff. We have a Mark and a Luke here with us today. So this, in fact, these are the guys. Mark and Luke are the guys who wrote the gospel accounts of Jesus attributed to them. Luke was also a co-worker of Paul, spent a lot of time traveling with him. It also tells us he was a doctor, which we don't, didn't know that from the Gospels, but here Paul mentions it. So he had some interesting experiences, and he would help out and do different things. That may be why in the Gospel of Luke, he's the one that tells us about the virgin birth and Mary's experience in, in conceiving. So that was probably of great interest to him as a doctor. He's the one who tells us about that. But he's a good co-worker of Paul. He travels with him. In fact, at the very end of Paul's ministry time in 2 Timothy, the last letter he wrote, he says, everybody else has kind of had other things to do. Only Luke is with me. Luke is with me, and he's here. Oops, let's go. I forgot. How do I go back? Ah, there. I didn't want to forget about Demas, because Demas is an important guy. He's mentioned with Luke, which is kind of interesting. But Demas, who was faithful apparently during his whole ministry period with Paul, had a bad experience. Paul talks about it in his last letter, 2 Timothy, where he says of Demas, he, he kind of grieves, that Demas has deserted me because he loved this present world more. It's in 2 Timothy 4. How sad. So this guy who had had a wonderful career of ministry with Paul, he's doing fine in this Colossian letter, at the end of his ministry time, whatever happens, uh, it's too hard for him to keep following Paul and the following the Lord's work. Uh, and he just gives up, and it was more important for him to do things that had to do with right now. He had responsibilities and things that, that consumed him and preoccupied him, and he was, he was more concerned about those things than about serving with Paul. Here's the only woman in the whole list. Not Paul worked with many women. He talks about a lot of them in Romans 16, but only one woman mentioned in this list. Her name is Nympha. And she is apparently connected with the church at Laodicea. And what we know about her was she was a good hostess because there was a house church that met at her place. There was a group of Christians that met at her place. Most of the Christians then, when they got together for on Sundays, didn't get together in rooms like this, especially prepared to be churches. They got together in houses, and Nympha was just one of those kinds of people. 
He tells them, when you get your letter, read it and then pass it on to the next group. And, they, and you can read the letter that I sent to them. Then he says, give Archippus a special mention. Uh, tell him, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. Archippus was probably Philemon's son, because he's also mentioned in that letter. A young man, one of those up-and-coming leaders in the church. And Paul says, really encourage him. He's been given some responsibilities and I want him to follow through. So keep encouraging him. So this is another good thing to remember. We have young people in the church that are coming along, and they're getting more and more responsibilities. You know, I think of guys like Ben and Andrew up here with us uh, on, on a Sunday that lead us in worship. And these young guys are really doing a fine job. And one of the things we need to do, as, as we're their friends, is encourage them. Keep going. Thank you for following the Lord's leading and, and uh, accepting these responsibilities. So keep going. This work has been given to you by the Lord. He finally just finishes off the letter pretty simply. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. I'm in chains now, so just remember me and pray for me. What I'd like to do is go back and draw out three principles that I kind of have learned here from my friends at Colossae that are kind of important. First one is this. Christian friendships. Actually, I worded it a little bit differently in your notes. I just said, we need friendships. I want to be kind of careful how I say this. We need friendships that derive from our relationship to Christ. I really believe that we need friends that are fellow believers. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't have friends who are not yet Christians. Many of our friends are. We should have them. But there's something special about friendships in the church with people who share um, our commitment to faith in Christ. Those of us who know Christ know what it means to be forgiven. We know what it means to be in the process of healing and redeemed day by day and restored to usefulness. We know those things. So we come together with others who understand that. One of the things Paul says earlier in the letter was, here in this church... I don't want you to think of people as Jews or Greeks, circumcised or uncircumcised. Those are a circumcision was a religious ritual of the Jews. I don't want you to think of people in those terms. Don't think of people as you know civilized or barbarians. The Scythians apparently were the most uh, outrageous of all the barbarian people, or slave or free. There's no economic strata here, but Christ is all and in all. So our relationship to Christ is the foundation of our friendships. Now, I have a lot of friends who are not yet believers, and uh, they pour into my life. I trust I benefit them, and so there's really some good things happening. But it seems to me that the reason I know or I'm learning how to be a friend to them is because of what I'm learning when I'm a friend to you or you're a friend to me. I think... This is the place where we learn how to be really useful, grace-filled friends. Because we have this in common, that Christ died for all of us. We all know what it means to be forgiven and to be able to forgive. And so now I can go to other friends who don't yet know Christ and be a better friend to them because of who I am in Christ, who I am here. And there really is an extent to which a friendship with a person 
who is not yet a follower of Christ will never develop and deepen to the point that it could and will always kind of be just a shadow or an echo of what it might be in Christ. So we're learning here how to be friends. At least I hope that's the case. I, I, I love getting to know all of you. I, I know some people better than others, obviously. Some people I'm just learning, getting to know. We want to, Denise and I both want to just do better at that, at getting to know you as our friends and being a friend to you in a significant Christian way. And I want to know that. And as we learn that, we're going to be, we're going to be better at, at receiving new people, welcoming new people. That'll make us more effective in our outreach if God is teaching us how to be friends because we know what it means to be in Christ. There's another thing that I'm learning here through this passage and others, and that is that we need friendships or Christian friendships developed through shared ministry experiences. That's one of the ways we develop friendships is working together side by side. A lot of friendships are like that. That's why you have some of your friendships. You serve with somebody on the PTA, and that's how you got to know them, and that's how you develop that. But we learn in a special way by doing ministry together. i never forget when I was in college, I ran into a group called the Navigators. They were a group that began working in evangelism and discipleship in the military, and then eventually after in the post-war years, really became strong on uh, college campuses. And I ran into a group of navigators when I was in school, and they ended, a, a bunch of them invited me to go to this big event. I think it was in 70, 68? It was called Wingding, anyway. And I, I, got the, I got the postcard about Wingding, and I signed up without really thinking much. And I, I actually had to drive down to uh, just outside of Baltimore, Maryland, where I got on a bus with 45 people, other, other costumes that I had never met before. And we, we, we took a bus trip out to uh, Colorado, which is where this big conference was. And there we met people from all over the world that came to this international conference. And I can still remember sitting there in that first session, realizing uh, that all these people, had in, they were potential friends because they all believed in Christ too. They were followers of Christ in my situation as a college student. And then they came out with a schedule. And on the schedule, it gave workshops you can go to. And I noticed that one of the workshops was to go to the little chalet up on one of the hills and go to a conference from a guy who was there from Denmark. And when I saw his name, my heart leapt because back in my home church in Camden, New Jersey, we had for years supported a navigator missionary who used to write back to us and tell us that he was discipling a young man named Uwe Tingard. And he now was discipling others as they reached out into their community. So I had prayed for Uwe Tingard for years. And when I looked at the schedule, the speaker from Denmark in the little chalet was Uwe Tingard. I thought, isn't that cool? Here's a guy who's doing, I've been praying for his ministry for years as a young person. Now I'm actually going to meet him. I just figured I'd never meet him till heaven. But there we, and I told him my story and how we, I knew the guy that had led him to Christ. And I was, I was excited by the possibility of ministry. And I thought about that as I did ministry as a young man earlier in my life, was neat to see that the impact that my life could have as I worked with others to pour ourselves into other lives. Another thing I find from here is that Christian friendships, and we need friendships, that will deepen in life's struggles. We all have struggles in life. Uh, if, if anybody doesn't, and you're here, then 
speak with me after, but either because either you're not paying attention or something. Because life is filled with struggles, right? And I can still remember a struggle that I went through um, in a, uh, a ministry opportunity I had back in uh, Forked River, New Jersey. And there was a real crisis in the church, and it was a real struggle time. Um, I ended up uh, being kind of on, on the outs with uh, some of the ministry leaders. And the strange thing that happened was a lot of the people that I thought were my friends kind of just avoided me. And that really made me sad, except for one guy named Frank Dolan, who I never expected to be the guy that the Lord would use in my life. But he came beside me, and in one of my life's struggles, he was there to help and do some very real, meaningful, practical things to help me and our family. And I'll, I'll never forget that, and I'll always be thankful that the Lord sent Frank into my life. Because we need friendships that can deepen in times of crisis, and times of struggles. And I know you all have those, and you need to be able to count on us as your brothers and sisters in Christ to be there in those hard times so that our relationships will deepen in him. Well, here's what I want you to do, because uh, if you have, just let me give you a homework to work on, if I could. Am I, Pastor Mike, am I allowed to give homework? Okay, I, I realize this is a touchy thing. Okay, but here we go. I gave you the scripture reading on the other, you know, the opposite side of the notes. So here I want you to do. Remembering who these guys were, you're never going to remember all these other names. Tychicus, Aristarchus, Archippus, uh, Epaphras. You don't need to remember those names. What I want you to do, though, is go in uh, when you get a chance and just like strike through that name and put the name in of somebody here that has had that impact in your life. Imagine that you were explaining to me what your brothers and sisters in Christ here at Crossroads of Montgomery mean to you and put in the names that are appropriate. Let's take Onesimus. Do you know somebody here who had kind of a shady past? You, maybe, you kind of feel that you don't really know all about their past before they came to Crossroads and before they came to Christ, but they've got a past and they did some wild things and some disruptive things. But now... You've heard their story, and you know that they're new in Christ. And you don't want to hold that past against them, but you want to receive them now for what they are, a brother and sisters in, brother or sister in Christ who is forgiven. And if you know that person, strike out Onesimus and put in their name there. What would you tell me about them? What would you tell me about Mark, somebody who in, mature, in immaturity kind of failed in ministry? And maybe it was maybe they were helping you in your area of ministry and they just kind of lost interest and wandered away and you never knew why. And you're just a little bit resentful that they let you down when things were going along. But now you see them differently and you see that they've come back and they're more mature now and they're ready to go again. Can you get over that past disappointment and welcome them back and see them as a ministry partner again? If you can. Strike through the name Mark, unless in your case it really is Mark. Just strike through Mark and put that other name in there. Imagine that somebody new comes in among us, like one of the new people today or somebody next week, and you have the opportunity to sit down with them over lunch and introduce your church to them by names. Who would be those people you would put in? Maybe there's a Demas too. The problem with Demas is you don't know who they are yet. Because right now everything's going fine with them. 
they're faithful, they're involved in ministry, they talk with you every Sunday, everything looks good, and you don't know it yet, but in a month or in two months, they're going to have a crisis in their life, and they're going to bail on their commitment to the church. So have it in your mind already. When that happens, whoever that is, I'm going to determine not to give up on them. I'm going to keep in touch. I'm going to continue to woo them back through the Holy Spirit, back to repentance and, uh, and restoration. Kind of determine your mind. You can't put a name in yet. In fact, if you tried to, that person will surprise you. It's somebody that you would least expect. But when it happens, be ready to forgive and restore. Maybe uh, you know an Epaphras here, somebody who's a hard worker, somebody who just works hard. Maybe it's behind the scenes and you see them working hard. Put their name in there so that one day you could introduce your friends here at Crossroads to me or better yet to that new person who comes in and is interested because I think they don't want to know just about us in general. They want to know about us specifically. Who are the people they'll meet here? Who are the friends they'll make? And how will those new friends pour into their lives? And for those of you that are new, I'm excited about the prospect of why the Lord brought you here and what it is that he wants you to pour into my life. Because, frankly, we're more than just friends. We're brothers and sisters in Christ because Jesus, our Savior, is our elder brother and the Heavenly Father is our Father. And we are a family of believers. We can make an impact in the world. And learning how to be friends here will make us better friends when we're not here with all the other people the Lord has brought our way. I want to challenge you to accept the assignment of figuring out who the people are here that the Lord has blessed. Then take a minute to pray for them. Thank the Lord for each of them. Thank you, Lord, for bringing those people into my life. Thank you for the contribution they have made. Thank you that they were there with me when life looked bleak. Thank you, Lord, that I can be there for them and that they, we can work hard together. And then let's see how the Lord uses that lesson to make us more effective in being a friend to still others. Let me pray for us as we move into that. Lord, I thank you for making us friends. I thank you for my friends here at Crossroads. Uh, not, and not just the, the staff guys and leaders, but, but the other people I've been getting to know. And already you're starting to make an impact in my life just for knowing them and getting the privilege of working beside them and seeing how they go through life's crises and struggles and wanting to be there for them and knowing that they'd be there for me if I called in the middle of the night. I thank you for, especially for Christian friends here. And Lord, for my other friends, teach me how to be a better friend to them, how to be more forgiving, how to be more encouraging, how to reach out to them in the love of Christ. Things that I'm learning here with my friends at Crossroads. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Intro music by bensound.com. Visit us online at crossroads-cc.org.